From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Ayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WizPolitics.com. He provides a roundup of the Wisconsin developments you need to know. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, J.R., thanks for joining me. No, anytime. So much has happened in the past two weeks. Let's start with the Brewers Stadium funding developments. GOP lawmakers are pushing forward a bill that asks Milwaukee County and the city to cover about $200 million of the more than $700 million deal funding the stadium. What are the key points to know about this? One, where are they going to find the votes in the Senate? And two, how are they going to change this package to make more palatable to Milwaukee? And so, and they're related. Looking at the assembly, uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss is behind the proposal or is on board with it. So it's an assumption that he can find the votes in his caucus to get that through. Remember, Republicans have a 64-35 majority there. They can lose 14 members to pass a bill because we're not seeing Democrats on board, especially in Milwaukee, about the idea. The Senate, though, a little different story. Yes, Republicans have a two-thirds majority, but this is a tough vote for Republicans out state. You know, the backers are going to make the pitch that keeping the brewers means more uh, sales tax revenue for the state, which now goes into shared revenue, right? There's a, a connection there that means more sales taxes, more local aid for counties and municipalities. Still, it's kind of a tough vote. You're going to need Democrats, people think, to get this thing through. Well, the Democrats aren't going to board unless Milwaukee feels okay about it. And how do you make Milwaukee feel better? Well, a couple of challenges. One, don't forget that back this summer, an early version of the bill had about $135 million from the city and county combined over 27 years. The price tag has gone up. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that. One, Republicans had kind of tried to engage uh, local officials. They didn't really feel like they got much from them in terms of ideas of how to fund it. So this is more like a, a leverage of like, look, this is what it could cost you. If you're not going to you know, play ball with us, sorry to say that, but if you're not going to help us with this, we might go for $200 million. Okay. So the price tag could go down. It also depends on how they fund it, like the locals, right? So the city and county, could they bond for the money? and pay it all up front and then have a smaller price tag overall. Well, the challenge is uh, interest rates are pretty high right now. And two, the city kind of don't have really great uh, credit ratings. So that might be a, 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 not a very appealing option. Could the state give locals a loan, like a low interest loan and say, okay, here's your money up front. Um, you pay that and pay us back over time. Maybe they got to find something like that to be more palatable. Also, the bill as written now doesn't have a spot on the board overseeing the district for local officials. Republicans say, oh, we just take one or two from the governor, because right now it's four points from the governor, two each from the leader of the majority caucus in the each house legislature, and one from the team. Oh, we'll take one from the governor, maybe, or two from him, and that would be okay. Well, Milwaukee wants a voice, a seat at the table to do this. Also for Milwaukee, they just got the sales tax money to address their pension costs, just got more shared revenue. Now you're going to come in and ask for more money. That's going to be a challenge. And Democrats are looking for what can the brewers do. The idea of a ticket tax has been raised. Brewers aren't thrilled that idea because more expensive you make it to go to a game, the fewer people might go. Don't forget, Milwaukee is in the smallest TV market in the league or one of the smallest markets in the league. They don't get as good a TV deal as the Yankees, for example. They need butts in the seats. Also, they need uh, revenue from parking. The mayor floated the idea of having some kind of a district, you know, use the parking lots for a district. Well, the team 
talks about tailgating culture, but also that's revenue for the team. So what can the team do to make it more palatable as well? That's a big question. So lots of moving pieces. And there's a sense of, oh, we get something done by the this fall. Well, they break for the year in mid-November. So that's a short window to move a big bill like this. It could be a challenge, especially if you don't get Democrats on board. Right now, Democrats are going, we, we're not there. You got to do something to make it more be- better for Milwaukee to get us on board. The, the GOP plan is about 14% privately funded and about 86% publicly funded. Why is that? Uh, you know, they're basing it off of how much revenue the state would lose if the brewers went away. So the state's component essentially is if you take the income tax off of player salaries and personnel from the brewers, as well as, remember, it's called a jock tax. So if you're a visiting player from the Cubs or um, the Cardinals and you come into Milwaukee, you actually pay tax on what you earn for that game you play in uh, American Family Field. So they take that and say, look, this is our state contribution. We lose it anyway. Let's put it toward our share. Um, the city and county, it's a little bit different story. Again, they talked about a smaller component before, but also it's tied to like a projection of here's what you're getting off of the stadium uh, being there. If you don't do this, it would go away. So we should have some of this money going toward Stadium, the challenge for Milwaukee, for example, the Common Council, I think half the members put a statement saying, look, we're still paying a million bucks a year or more toward the original cost of building the stadium. Now you want more money. So this is a challenge for them, uh, to say the least. And a key component of the bill that you've talked about is that Milwaukee sort of local contribution. Some are wondering why Milwaukee's suburban counties are exempt from the local contribution in the sense of Ozaki and Waukesha counties would pay as much as, you know, far-flung areas of the state. And then Milwaukee County and the city would have to give up some of their shared revenue that they just got from the state. What are you hearing about these kind of equity arguments? Go back to the mid-90s when they approved a five-county sales tax to originally build the stadium and put money aside for maintenance. There was a little recall election in Racine County <laughs> having to take out a state senator who who was against the plan but then voted for it in the end that paved the way for it to happen. There's a real blowback. If you try to implement that uh, sales tax again, for example, as five counties, you'd have a world of trouble. The team doesn't want that sales tax to come back. They're opposed to it. So that wasn't an option, but that has been raised. Why isn't there a contribution from these surrounding communities? Because it isn't really like most people that game are from Milwaukee, the city proper, right? They're coming from around uh, the state, uh, around the region, but that's just not in the cards right now. And, you know, honestly, for any suburban Republican, that's an extra tough vote, right? Because it's not in your it's not in your county. How would you support that if they're trying to ask your constituents for money for a, a stadium in Milwaukee? But what are you seeing as the response to the Milwaukee criticisms from people in Milwaukee that simply asking for the city and county to fork up $200 million to pay for this is just not feasible? Uh, Republicans, you know, they, they think they have time. They can negotiate something. You know, they're gonna, they feel like they can get something done. The question is, what's it look like? Um, and quite frankly, the, I've gotten feedback that the team could have done a better job of kind of selling this from day one of like how it would contribute to this or what its piece is. I don't mean to dismiss $100 million, but there are very wealthy people on the team. Um, in the uh, vein of bad timing, uh, one of the minority owners put up his home for sale in California for $75 million. That's not a great look when you're trying to convince people that you need public dollars to pay for a stadium maintenance, not construction, but stadium maintenance. 
oh, by the way, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, they're trying to build a stadium. It's half funded by the public, half by the team. Now that's constructing a stadium, right? This is maintenance. Uh, there are also concerns like how the deal exists. Right now, the reason why we have to do this as taxpayers is we're obligated to. There's a contract that says this stadium board would keep now American Family Field in the upper quarter of ballparks in the league. You have to basically pay for upgrades to keep them kind of competitive with other places. There are some lawmakers who want that to go away. Like that's driving some of these costs. It's not just about fixing the roof or taking care of the windows. It's become, you know, scoreboards and ribbon boards and all these kind of bells and whistles that people are like, why are taxpayers paying for that? So that's something to watch as well. Like do they negotiate changes to the lease, the contract, so that it's not the way it's been for the last 25 years? You're tuned into Capital Notes. I'm Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WizPolitics.com. Moving on to the redistricting case developments, um, in the last episode, we talked about the GOP's impeachment threats against Justice Protasewicz, who they want off of redistricting cases before the court. Since then, at the behest of Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, the Assembly passed an Iowa-style redistricting reform plan that takes the power of drawing maps out of the hands of lawmakers and gives it to nonpartisan staff. Democratic Governor Evers has all but promised to veto the bill. What can you tell us about this? Well, this is in some ways an off-ramp for Robin Voss from the impeachment talk. It's also a way to put Democrats on the defensive. So let's talk about Democrats first. If you've given Democrats this bill three years ago, they would have jumped at it. They would have said, this is great because it gives us a shot at a better map than what we're getting from Republicans. The thing, though, is they're going, but I'm going to get a better map from the Supreme Court. Now, you never want to assume what a court's going to do. But Democrats are thinking, okay, we've got the majority of this court for the first time. We have two lawsuits pending. Um, We see a path to a better map. Because if you draw a map right now based on geography, compactness, various, um, you know, factors, you would get still a pretty Republican map just because the way people live in Wisconsin. At the same time, I can draw you a 50-50 Senate map in my sleep. It doesn't guarantee Democrats a majority. It gives them the opportunity to, in the right environment, win enough seats to be the majority. I don't know they think they would get that from a nonpartisan commission. The Assembly, you can't draw a 50-50 map there unless you gerrymander it for Democrats. Just the way people live, areas, it's just it's too tough. So Democrats are going, we've got a better shot from this court than from this commission. For Republicans... They know impeachment's not a great issue for them. They feel like it's a political loser. How do they get out of that box? Well, this is a way to do it, to say, look, if you give us this, we'll, we'll pass this bill, we'll go to this system. It short-circuits those lawsuits. We avoid uh, all these attorney's fees we're going to pay for lawyers on that. Also avoids the $4 million being dropped on Republicans' heads right now as we speak in various ads talking on impeachment. Also, there are real questions if the Assembly has 50 votes to impeach Protasewicz, and then put it to the Senate. We're pretty sure from talking to Republicans in the Senate, there aren't 22 votes among Republicans to remove her from office. Uh, in the Assembly, could they get to 50? Maybe. So the challenge for Robin Voss is, if you look at his comments closely, he's always said, I don't want to impeach Protasewicz. I want her to recuse from the case. If she steps off, this all goes away. Now, it may might go away in this case, but other cases that deal with election issues or political issues, when would it stop? They would probably try to you know, pressure her to recuse in multiple cases. That's the size of the point. But for Voss, 
how do you have the impeachment box? Because if we get to impeachment, um, it can be challenged for him. So there's this thought that the worst case scenario for Robin Voss is Protus Sabert says, I'm hearing the case. The Supreme Court takes it and the Senate hasn't acted on this redistricting bill yet. Then what do you do? Do you try to move forth impeachment? Oh, by the way, you've got a panel of three justices, not retired justices, advising you if you can even you know, do it. You got questions about votes. So the, the problem for him is if they take the case, she hears it, and he has no grounds to impeach her or no support to do it. His leverage is gone then. So they're trying to find a way out of this situation um, and still come out on top with this case. Now, the court, if it takes this uh, case, if it rules that these maps are invalid, if it puts better maps for Democrats, it's probably the last bit of the story. It'll probably be the U.S. Supreme Court. Republicans will challenge them. U.S. Supreme Court on various grounds and see if they can get some there. But this is all about how for Republicans to get away from these new maps being in place in 2024 because they know or they fear the Supreme Court will give a map that it's going to really change the dynamic in the Capitol. Okay, so so that's what's happening with redistricting and with the, the, the impeachment threats and all of that. Speaking of the Wisconsin Senate, it voted 22-11 along party lines to fire Megan Wolf, who's the state's top election administrator, setting up a likely legal battle if she'll remain in that role. What's what's the latest on that? Well, we haven't seen a hearing scheduled yet in that lawsuit. Usually there's some time to respond to it. But now we've got a group of Republicans in the Assembly pushing a resolution to impeach Megan Wolf. Now, first thing you have to know is the five Republicans on this resolution, four of them are not exactly close with Robin Voss, Assembly Speaker. Janelle Branchin is one of the five. Remember, she was the old chair of the campaign's elections committee. She was pulled off of that committee because she kept pushing conspiracy theories with that perch. And oh, by the way, she endorsed Robin Voss's primary opponent. So once he won the primary, he removed her um, sometime later. Chuck Wickers, another one of the five. He backed Robin Voss's primary opponent. He's the outs with Voss. Elijah Banky from Acanto was caught on tape one time threatening, saying he wanted to punch Robin Voss in the nose. So these guys are not like in tight with leadership. That said, you know, they're making an argument that, okay, there's a lawsuit now to keep Wolf in her position. She's not leaving. Let's use this out route to get rid of her. Uh, if you go through the 15 articles of impeachment they raise, um, a lot of them are theories been pushed by Janelle Branch in the past from the committee. Some are a little bit dubious to say the least. Um, for example, uh, it basically says that Megan Wolf helped or like uh, assisted the commission when it voted to no longer allow special voting deputies in nursing homes to help with absentee voting back during the pandemic. That was a vote of the commission. The resident basically says, well, she should have stopped that, which is an interesting um, assertion because they're saying that an administrator who answers to the six-member commission should said no, you, you can't do that, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not sure that would fly a lot of administrators who are answered to a board. There's also some stuff like it says that absentee ballot drop boxes you know, were unknown in Wisconsin part of 2020. Uh, that's not true. Uh, Scott McDonald, a Dane County clerk, did a survey of his local clerks, found that some were using drop boxes back in the, even in the mid-'80s. Now, there are drop boxes attached to the municipal building. They weren't like the ones that are by the fire station or library that were used in 2020. But another example of where it kind of pushes some lines. So I just don't know the appetite in the assembly to take this up. Um, also, if they would go by these 15 articles, because some of them just aren't really on solid footing. 
So it's kind of an interesting uh, proposition. But, you know, for Republicans, they're frustrated that Wolf hasn't left. They feel like the commission should have renominated her if they wanted her to stay with a vote by all six members and then gone through the confirmation process. Remember, the three Democratic members of the commission abstained from the vote. Are you need four votes to renominate somebody for that position? Because there weren't four votes, she's still in it. Um, now a court's going to decide unless something like this happens. Now there's a, a third avenue to watch. Under state law, if there's a vacancy in that job, that Megan Wolf's position, the Joint Committee of Organization, which is controlled by Republicans, can appoint an interim after 45 days. I don't know if they will take that move once we hit 45 days, but that could be another avenue to trying to say, well, she's not in the job anymore. We want to appoint somebody else. Um, it Again, courts are probably going to decide this unless somehow this impeachment gets legs and goes through both houses. Wow. Well, thanks for filling us in on all these details, JR. There's a lot to keep a hold of that's happening in, in Madison and elsewhere in the state. And thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Anytime. That was J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com, speaking with me, WUWM's Maya Silver. Listen for our segments with J.R. Ross every other Monday with an extended segment on Lake Effect, and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>